Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. And Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana, featuring the card accepted by doctors in all 50 states. Information available at bcbsla.com or Twitter, hashtag TopDoctors. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Although the New Orleans economy is booming, one of the criticisms we hear is that the boom is based on tourism and an influx of hipsters who are apparently doing something. But it's difficult to discern exactly what. Now, according to this critique, what's missing in building a strong and sustainable economy is manufacturing. We need to be making stuff. My guests on Out to Lunch today make stuff. Charles Easterling is the CEO and co-founder of Crescent Unmanned Systems. What's an unmanned system? It's an aircraft, otherwise known as a drone. Based out of the NASA facility at Mishu, Charles and his company make the Bravo 300, one of the most advanced unmanned aircrafts available. Charles, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me. I will tell everybody, you are wearing Google glasses, right? That I am. This is so cool. This <laughs> <laughs> My other guest is Charles's neighbor out in the east, based in the Stennis Technology Park. Craig Harvey is Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of Envision Solutions. Envision's unmanned craft aren't in the air. They're underwater, working for the U.S. Navy and underground, down oil wells. Envision is also involved in a whole range of projects, from tracking birds to flood protection. Craig, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And so you've got a lot on your plate these days. I'm looking forward to talking to you. Now, Charles, until recently, we thought of drones as airplanes without a pilot being flown from what looks like a, a video game console in, in Nevada somewhere, spying, dropping bombs on people in Afghanistan. Now, Amazon says they're going to use drones to deliver parcels. Now, these kinds of drones look like a combination between a small flying saucer and a helicopter. This is the kind of drone you make. Uh, we're hearing about the use of this type of drone for everything from traffic reporting to replacing police cars and high-speed chases to go after criminals. Is this just speculation, or are we really on the brink of a new world of drones? Well, I think that we absolutely are on the brink of something that's absolutely spectacular. And I think that the announcement that Amazon had the other day is something that's quite, quite significant in, in approaching what the capabilities of these types of devices are. Uh, you know, I think that a lot of folks, when you hear about drone technology, the number one thing that you think of is what's going on you know, with the war on terror uh, or kind of a big brother aspect type of uh, constant surveillance state. You know, I think it's very important to understand that there are some really incredible uses for the technology, uh, such as delivering medicine to remote locations uh, in, in, in Africa or, or other countries and uh, in, in other nations. Uh, I think that, you know, just looking at the application that Amazon is trying to use it for is something that's interesting. It's a little while away, a little while away. Uh, however, 
uh, this is really where we see the technology going. A lot more uses just, you know, instead of just intelligent surveillance and reconnaissance. Now, one of the things I'm reading, Charles, is that uh, Amazon's push is going to help you folks in regard to uh, uh, opening up the airspace for drones. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Or? Sure. So the way that it's worked historically, you know, I think that the FAA was caught off guard initially with the influx of these small aerial systems into the national airspace. So what they did is they issued a blanket prohibition saying that you can't fly unless you go through this process uh, of uh, licensure called uh, the Certificate of Authorization and Waiver. And essentially what that does is it, it removes uh, and indemnifies the FAA from any uh, major accident that may happen. So when you apply for the Certificate of Authorization and Waiver, there's a very critical uh, look at your system. Uh, they make sure that it's safe. They want to make sure that they have the data that supports uh, absolute safe flying in the national airspace. Because before, there were just no rules. People were flying it at will wherever they wanted. And of course, that's a dangerous situation. So uh, by 2015, Congress has mandated that the FAA integrate unmanned aerial systems into the national airspace. Uh, and, and by that time, I believe that the rules will be made. We'll start to see the safe integration of these systems into the national airspace. And, and they'll be a part of, of, of daily life into the future. And we're doing it here. Absolutely. We're doing that it here in New Orleans, Louisiana. That is terrific. Now, Craig, uh, Envision Solutions has an amazingly wide range of projects uh, working uh, NASA and the U.S. Navy, piloting underwater unmanned submarines to the world's only handheld radar device that does a pre-flight test of a fighter plane's radar system. Uh, most of us, frankly, drive by the Mishu and Stennis exits on I-10 and have very little interest or idea of what's really going on over there, but it's amazing. Is that intentional? Is, is there a certain amount of secrecy about what you do, or do you just too darn busy to get on Facebook and tell the rest of the world about it? Uh, well, actually, we, we, we make a pretty good effort on Facebook and Twitter. Um, but you, we don't have walk-in customers, <laughs> so uh, it, it'd be Honey, good. Honey, I we, was thinking of getting an unmanned submarine. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, it'd be good if we did. Um, uh, the unmanned vehicles, it's really all tied together with automation uh, and, and con uh, command and control. Almost everything we have has some sort of a geospatial component, which is really our roots. Um, we were part of the, 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 the creation of the geospatial industry in South Mississippi, Louisiana. We're one of about 50 companies that came out of the NASA commercial remote sensing program, um, all located within all 50 or 60 miles of Stennis. Stennis now tell proper. me some of the industries that would use your equipment. Uh, uh, well, which piece of equipment? Well, let's see. <laughs> yeah. now, I know you've got the, the uh, you know, we talked the military applications, right. but there's industrial applications. There, there absolutely are. Uh, we're, we're working on a product right now. We're with a partner company over here. Uh, uh, I guess it's off North Shore uh, Trade Technologies um, to build a uh, automated um, submersible milling machine that goes down an oil pipe. Um, you know, a thousand feet deep, uh, so it's submersible. Autonomous, so we'll go down and cut a big hole, uh, pull back up, it changes fittings, changes bits, uh, and then pulls the slug out, and uh, then raises up a little more and puts the new piece back in. Um, and, you know, the, the notion of being able to do that, A, at 1,000 feet and underwater, um, typically CNC milling is done, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a shop. Sure, so, yeah. Uh, th that's one of our really uh, fun projects we're doing. Between that and a handheld radar system, 
which also has uh, a lot of commercial technology uh, that, that will fall out of the military systems. And the, the UAV stuff that Charles works at, you know, all the, the military is, is a lot of times a driving force in doing some of the research and development. And, and you invented know, the internet, right? It, well, <laughs> sure. Uh, you, know, you, you give a, a, a business person a chance, and they will commercialize and find a way to put something you know to everyday use. Um, sometimes it just takes a little longer uh, for you know the the society to come to grips with the fact that the paradigms change. And let me ask you something. We everybody talks about you know bringing manufacturing uh, back and such, but this is a special kind of manufacturing. I mean, this seems to be where the future is. I, I guess the, the phrase in the industry is kind of advanced manufacturing. It, it is. It, you know, when we started, it was, um, when we start talking about manufacturing is, we like to prefer to ourselves as kind of brain surgeons. Um, <laughs> you know, we don't want to do too much, um, and what we want to do, once we want to have high value. So it, it's really uh, you know, low capacity, high value manufacturing. What could make that Stennis Mishu uh, area, you know, the the pride of the pride of the South. Uh, well, yeah, I think you hit on it earlier is to to help remove that veil of secrecy uh, of what's going on, and, and you know, small businesses are, are a lot of uh, most of us have the same issue. Is it's difficult to take time off of doing that high dollar piece of manufacturing and research and go out and market oneself. <laughs> yeah. And so we're always looking for for people in LED and LBTC. Uh, you know, uh, we work with the, the Slidell Economic Development Group a lot. You know, I think I think they will be big helping hands as we continue to move forward and help us do the marketing and the advertising. What about workforce? Um, you know, it's not a workforce that we think of uh, this area. Are there enough folks out there? Could sure, you? you know, I think that one of the things is, you know, we, we work a lot with universities here. So I think if we start working with universities to develop programs that support the type of industry that we're trying to bring here, and, and uh, but, but there, there is skilled talent here in Louisiana. I, I, I think that a lot of people have an idea of, you know, us being a party town and, and, and you know, we have these great schools and institutions. However, uh, it, it's, it's really a place with incredibly skilled, talented, educated people uh, that are, are bringing a lot to the table. Let me just ask you both a question. What do you think that Mishu Stennis area is going to, if we drove back over there five years from now, how's it going to be different? You know, I think that there's some great opportunity for Mishu and Stennis to do really incredible things. One, the facility that Mishu has is absolutely incredible from a manufacturing standpoint. You know, we have the National Center for Advanced Manufacturing there. They were rocket scientists. Yeah, right? I mean, they're rocket scientists. I know, scientists. I know Craig exactly. wants to be a brain surgeon, but that's, <laughs> that's very high up there. And I mean, you know, there are some brilliant minds that are there, you know, between the facility management company that runs it, Jacob, Jacob's uh, Technology. They have a wonderful engineering branch that's there. You know, there's a fantastic machine shop. Some of the most advanced manufacturing uh, capabilities in the world are right here on the Gulf Coast. And I think that people don't understand or realize that even. Uh, so, you know, with their model to, to start inviting a number of different commercial ventures into uh, that space, and they're, they're, they don't lease it out, but there's what's called the Space Act Agreement, where you go into an agreement with NASA and you, uh, you know, procure some space. And, you know, the ability for a small company like mine to expand and contract as needed uh, based on our manufacturing needs is, is tremendous. That's not something that we could have ever accomplished anywhere else. I mean, that facility is incredible. 
incredible. So, and not, you know, being associated with, with the facility itself and saying that you're being able to say you're housed at a NASA facility really goes a long way uh, in terms of uh, brand and name recognition. Oh, so, uh, it's, it's, it's really a great opportunity and I think that a number of great industries have uh, possibility. You know, there's a port on site at, at Mishu uh, that you can, you know, there's, there's rail access. I mean, there's a tremendous amount, amount of things that major manufacturers and small companies can take advantage of. Well, and, and Craig, let me, uh, this is the part of the show we have called the checklist where we ask, uh, ask you a couple of questions you may not find on a loan application. So I just thought I'd, I'd start off with, the, Craig, what's your favorite gadget? You're a gadget kind of um, guy. I love everything and anything with a GPS in it. <laughs> but, but I'm a geographer by, 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 my background is in geography, so, um, you know, when, you know, I'm dating myself, but, you know, when GPSs first came out, they were all military, and I actually worked for the government, and you had to have the military decoder chip to use one. So I've really watched that technology come full circle now to where it's, you know, embedded in everything that we do. Now, Charles, um, how do you recharge your personal batteries? How do you do it? You're doing a lot. Recharge. You know, so one of the things that I try to do is, is, is engage in civic activities or social justice type activities and give back to my community. I think it's very important to uh, show kids, especially here in inner city New Orleans schools, uh, you know, I'm part of an organization called the Silverback Society, uh, and we mentor eighth grade boys in New Orleans public schools. And, you know, I think it's, it's a great for them to see that you know, you can get out there, you can do this if you really want to, you know, and, and, and I, I'm very fortunate if it hadn't been for folks in my life that did that for me, I, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I try to stay engaged in the community. I try to stay engaged in art. I'm a photographer as well. Uh, I did a lot of conflict journalism for a while uh, for Corbis Images. Uh, so it's, it's, it's something that I love. It's a passion, uh, and and it's important to stay in family, of course. Lastly, family. I think family is is the most important aspect. People who are there that are willing to support you, that are willing to believe in you, even when things look as bleak as they uh, possibly can, they're still there to support you and love you and stand behind you. So that's how I recharge my bam my batteries: family, social activities, and art. Yeah, it's working. It's because um, you yeah, look, you look still pretty recharged. That's, uh, they, uh, I don't know if it's the Google Glasses or <laughs> Maybe not. The Google. I think that's really that, that's the other secret. Yeah. <laughs> Let's check the inbox. Our producer picks a question that's come in from a listener over the past couple of weeks. Grant, what have you got? Peter, I've been very surprised this week at the kind of questions we've got from our listeners when we said we were doing a show about drones. They fall into two categories. One category is people making a joke of this, and the other is people being freaked out about some sort of weird future. These are the types of questions we got. One from Dennis Linehan on Facebook who said, will drones be able to throw beads and coconuts at Mardi Gras? <laughs> Katie Brooks asked us on Twitter, how's your drone and am? <laughs> Chrissy Hardy on Facebook says, when the robot revolution begins, what's the quickest way to disarm one of your robots? <laughs> And Sarah Gromko asked us on Twitter, are drones being programmed to freeze humans out so they can take over the Earth? Wow. And these are typical of the questions we've got. What, what do you guys make of those two you categories of Big questions? Brother in your introduction? I think that it's very important to um, really kind of understand where the technology is right now. You know, I think we're still in the infancy stages of, of unmanned aerial systems. Uh, we still call them un unmanned aerial systems, much like the car was called the horseless carriage. Uh, so, I mean, you know, I, I think that 
once people understand what the limitations of the technology actually are, especially the ones that we're trying to produce and do produce now, I think that the, the fear factor will lessen. Um, however, you know, I, I do envision a future where uh, once the marriage of artificial intelligence and robotics really becomes a reality, it is something that will have to be regulated and, and, will, and, and very well must be regulated. Craig, what about that? I mean, you must get some of the same comments. Um, we, we feel a lot of the same things, and, and I kind of hit on it that, you know, it's society come to grips with the fact that, that things are changing. Um, and I don't want to say we've been stagnant as society and technology, but, you know, for the last couple of generations, we have been, you know, pretty much since we went, you know, initially to the moon. And if you look at the time that, and the rapid pace that, that from the time we first flew until we went to the moon, it was like, you know, 30, 40 years, and then what's happened since. So we kind of got a little stagnant. Um, and, I, and I think that comes back to what Charles was talking about is, is you know, getting kids excited and, and, and started along this path early on, on a science side. Um, you know, the same argument was there when they were doing uh, computer uh, robotic welding on vehicles, you know, in manufacturing. It didn't really reduce the number of people working. It reduced the type of work that they did. And, you know, now you work on robots instead of welding on cars and that sort of thing. So, you know, there, there's an opportunity to misuse almost any technology out there. I, I think the controls will come in to make sure, and I, and I think the FAA has been doing a good job of, of making sure they get those rules right. Um, you really don't want to see UAVs just flying everywhere, doing everything just yet. Um, we're going to get there, I, I believe. Uh, they, they, they're, they're used for a lot of really good purposes, and one that I do know about is um, they do and have uh, locally fly UAVs looking for marijuana farms. Now, now it's time is to pay it forward, and that's where we ask our guests to generously use their experience and expertise to help an entrepreneur with a new business. I thought today, Charles and Craig, you might be the guys to talk about about this new company, True Sea Systems. True Sea Systems is a technology company that's built a method of taking pictures of wounds for medical records. You just can't fire off a couple of shots of a wound on your iPhone. This is a very strange idea. Uh, digital photos of wounds need to be standardized and calibrated so they can be used reliably by both doctors and insurers. TruSea was founded by an award-winning cinematographer and a nationally recognized wound care physician. They have the technology down. They're now focused on pushing the product out into the market. The president and CEO of the company, Bill Ellison, wrote us to say that our current business model is to market our system to electronic health record companies who then license the system to their customers as an add-on. We share in two streams of revenue, the monthly software licensing fee and the sale of the disposable calibration slates. What marketing recommendation do you have for, uh, have for Bill? This is a fascinating idea. I, I, first of all, I want to state right off the bat, I think they did something pretty brilliant by, by basically piggytailing up with a, a national health system, I think, that's already prominent in the market. So they're not starting developing a brand new, new market. Um, so I, I think there's a good and bad there that one, they're kind of coupled to the growth and the uptake of those existing customers with a new module. Um, one of the things that we've done, and, and because there's always other uses, is that same technology can be used for a variety of other things in addition to wound care. Not so dissimilar from uh, looking for bacteria on, in food processing. So I, I would look at the secondary markets, um, since it seems, I really think they've got their primary market focus 
very well nailed down. Um, short of you know partnering up with a competing entity, then it gets really fuzzy. So uh, finding you know that secondary market, I think, will be important. For right. Looking at that secondary market is a really brilliant piece of uh, idea. You know, a piece of information that they can can pull from. Uh, also, I think it's very important to you know. Focus on what your competitive edge is when you're thinking about marketing. Uh, you know, look at what the emerging trends are specifically related to your industry. Uh, and try to find whether or not your product really does have the edge. And, and when you get out there and talk about your product, make sure that people understand that your competitive edge is, is the direction that you need to move forward in and why they can't live without your competitive edge. And, and I think that that's, that's really what marketing is all about. Um, uh, you know, in our industry, we focus on you know, what makes us better than our competitors. Uh, and, and I think that that's, in general, I know it's a very general piece of information, but it's probably one of the most important pieces of information. I think a lot of time as tech people and, and folks who are wrapped up in the business, we don't think about the marketing as much as uh, we do the actual end product and, and, and focusing on, you know. I think that marketing is a major component of making sure that your business is successful. Otherwise, uh, you know, you're just set to, to crash and burn. <laughs> well, we're going to make sure that on I-10 there's more signs telling people what you guys do. That would be, you know, like, next exit, a casino, a, a Texaco, and drones. You know, you things go. like that. <laughs> <laughs> Charles Easterling, Craig Harvey. I'm often learning on this show about businesses I had no idea about, but you two have taken my previous ignorance to a whole new level. It's really eye-opening to find out what's going on out there at Stennis and Mishu. I'm looking forward to keeping up with you and following your exciting exploits on land, sea, and air. Uh, thank you so much for joining me on Out to Lunch today. Thank you. You guys were great. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Craig Harvey, Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of Envision Systems, and Charles Easterling, CEO and co-founder of Crescent Unmanned Systems. To find out more about Charles's drones and Craig's myriad projects, Follow the links on our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. The beautiful Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get the show as a podcast, and you can listen to past shows and keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsneworleans.com and www.no.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Eris Studio monitors, and more. More information about Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at PreSonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO. For itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM, I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you again next week for Out to Lunch around the table here at Command Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker and Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC.